chapter 11. And this is on page 869, if you're using the Bible in the pew. So if you want to turn there, click there, whatever that looks like. And we'll, um, we'll also have it on the screen. While you're turning there, we're in the middle of a series right now called Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. Prayer is the most basic of spiritual disciplines, but is one that we need to learn how to grow in, how to do, and how to grow in. Even Jesus' own followers, those who were with him, like on a daily basis, were with the Lord, came and said, teach us to pray. It says in Luke 11, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And we've been making that same request. Lord, teach us to pray. And we've been using this, the uh, acrostic pray as a guide to help uh, kind of help us think through prayer and follow through with what we see scripture teaching us about what prayer is and how to go about it. The first week we talked about the reality of pausing, that we need to stop, that we need to make time. And even as some of you have shared, Sarah shared, and we kind of resonate with that, the idea of making time to be with the Lord and praying throughout the day, but that special reality of stopping and remembering I need to bring my life to him and sit in his presence. Then last week, we talked about rejoice, the fact that we need to be vocal and reverent about our Almighty God. We need to praise Him for who He is and what He's done and what He's doing. And so we talked about the idea of rejoicing. Excuse me. Now we're coming to the A, and this week we're going to talk about the fact that we can ask God for help. And so we can come to God asking Him for help with our lives. Have you ever had something go wrong in your house, condo, apartment, whatever it is, and then you had to go to Home Depot? Who's had that experience? Um, Some of you, that is like, I get to go to Home Depot! Like, super exciting. And then others, it's like, oh my gosh, I gotta go to Home Depot. Like, totally, I'm not gonna ask you to um, which one of those you are. Um, Some of you might be like me going into Home Depot where it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what's going on. You have YouTube videos on your phone while you're walking around trying to figure out how to do things. Others of you might be like my dad, who's basically a general contractor who could like build a house and just walks in and gets everything. Um, But rather you're like me or you're like my dad, how many of you have ever had the moment where you're walking around Home Depot and you don't know where the thing is that you're looking for? Yep. Every single, if, if you had stepped into Home Depot and your hand didn't go up, you're a liar. <laughs> I don't say that to be mean. It's just objective truth. There is no way, unless you work there, there is no way you have that place memorized. And so when you get to the point that you're trying to figure out where the thing is or how to do the thing you're trying to do, two options are before you. Keep wandering around, trying to figure it out. Maybe find a YouTube video about Home Depot, about where things are at. On your phone, do it, but you just keep wandering aimlessly. Or, option two, you find one of those little Obi-Wan guys with the orange vest who knows everything about everything and who work there, who can show you not only where the thing is, but how to do the thing that you're doing and probably do it correctly, not wrong like you were about to. Not that I've had that experience. We typically do the first thing, right? Until we realize how long we've been wandering around and then we humbly come up before the person and say, can you help me? Who's had that experience? The reality. Here's the worst. Who's had a Home Depot person to ask you if you needed help 
you've told them no, and then had to come back and say, yeah, I really do need help. Who's had that type? That's the worst, because you know that they're like, okay, how long is it before this person comes back? Like, they almost set a stopwatch on it. Why do we not just ask in the first place? Why can't we just say, I need it? Is it because we're trying to prove something? Is it trying, you know, whatever? It comes back to what I said last week. We are all eternal toddlers who just want to say, me do it, rather than asking for help. And the reality is, this is what happens in not just in Home Depot, but this is what happens in all of life when it comes to following the Lord. He wants us to come to him. He invites us to come to him. He doesn't just give us permission. He doesn't reluctantly allow us to come to him like, okay, well, come here. He invites us. He welcomes us. He wants you to come to him with your life. It says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Hebrews 4, So come, let us, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, that we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Here in these places and many others, he makes it abundantly clear that we can ask him for help, but we keep wandering the aisles of life on our own, trying to do it on our own, trying to find whatever it is on our own, figure it out on our own, rather than just asking him for help. Well, why don't we take God at his word instead? Why don't we go with that option instead? Why don't we ask him like he tells us that we can? Well, this is what Hebrews 11 is going to help us to learn to do, is to ask God for help. And so what we started, we started doing this again last week. Um, it's something we used to do a lot before the pandemic, and so we're going to get, bring it back to, get, back to things, is uh, we're going to read the text together. And so um, we're going to be looking at Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. Um, here's how, we're going to do this a little bit different, so I'm going to make it difficult. Um, I'm going to read verse 1. To when it says, when you pray. When we get to the Lord's Prayer, Father, hallowed be thy name, I'd like us to all do it collectively together. And so we're all going to read that together at the same time. And then after that, if somebody could just read verse 5, and then somebody else read verse 6, and somebody else reads verse 7, we'll do the rest of the verses one at a time, whoever wants to read. Is that cool? So I'll read the first part. We're all collectively going to do the Lord's Prayer. And then if anybody can, can, if people can just jump in to finish it off, one verse at a time till verse 13, that would be great. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And, Jesus, and he said to them, when you pray, say,
pray together and then we'll look at this passage. God, we thank you so much um, that we can be in your presence together. We thank you so much for who you are. We rejoice in you, God. We praise you. God, I'm so grateful um, for how you've made this church what it is, how you're working in the lives of this family. And God, I pray you would make us more and more a family, that people that don't know one another would connect, that stories that need to connect, that God, you would bring them together for encouragement and challenge. God, I hope that you, I pray you would help all of us to grow more and more into your image, so that we could live holy lives that proclaim who you are and the goodness that you showed us. And so we join our voices with those of your first followers. God, teach us to pray. Uh, teach us to come to you and ask for the help that we need. And so speak to us through this passage. Speak to us through your word. We thank you, Spirit, for just what you're going to say. In your name we pray. Amen. And so the big thing that this passage is going to talk to us about and proclaim to us and guide us in is this, is that you can ask God to help you with every aspect of your life. You can ask God to help you with every aspect of your life. After they ask him how to pray, Jesus says, when you pray, and then he gives them these six prayer prompts, if you will. But before the six are mentioned, Jesus reminds them who they're praying to. It's Father. Father. And then it goes into the six different things. This is an important reminder that prayer is relational, not technical. The Lord's Prayer is not an incantation. It's an invitation to a conversation. Um, We are speaking to our Heavenly Father. And I know that for some of us, the language, the, some of you, the language of Father, that might be a difficult image to connect with. Uh, when you, some of you, when you hear the term Father, that brings uh, images and memories of warmth and growth and tenderness and care. And some of you, it's the polar opposite. And if that's the camp that you're in, if that's your experiences, I am so sorry. And I say that genuinely, I am so sorry that those are your experiences. I'm so sorry that that's what comes to mind when you hear this. And let me just say to you then, encourage you within this, when you think of what a father should be, when you think of your experiences and then you think about the way a father should be, how a father should act toward his kids, how a father should care for them, whatever you can come up with, God is a hundred times better. And so know that your experiences are real and and God cares for you within them. And he wants to show you the reality of what a father can and should be. And so know that when it says pray father, it's not saying to go with the experiences that you know. It's being, we're talking to the God that he is. Because the reality is, is that even for those of us that maybe the images of father come are good, God is a hundred times better than those as well. 
And so we're coming to God. Yes, it's good for us. And so this, when we come to the Lord's Prayer, when we come to this, these prompts that Jesus guides his followers in, it's Father, conversation. Yes, it's good for us to recite it collectively or individually, even like we did this morning. But that is a worship moment that reminds us who our loving God is and, who, and what he's about. But the Lord's Prayer is not some Christian version of a Harry Potter spell where I say the words and then whatever I want to happen is going to happen. This is not magical. This is spiritual and relational. This is me talking to God. This is guiding me how to pray. Does that make sense? And so he takes it. He then gives us this prayer. And so when we take it line by line, it covers so much of what we can come to God asking help for. It says, hallowed be your name, acknowledging what his name is, who he is, revering him, rejoicing in the reality of the God that he is. And so I can come asking, God, help me to remember who you are. Help me to know the reality of who you are. Help me to keep you first. If I'm, again, if we're talking about asking God for help, this is something we need to ask him to help, for help. God, help me to remember the reality of who you are, to learn the reality of who you are, to know, be aware of your presence, God. God, help me to keep you first. He then says, your kingdom come. This is acknowledging that God, Jesus is Lord, that God, he reigns over all. Who he is, who he is guides us on how to live. He, who he is, guides us on how to process life. No one else is our single point of reference for who we are and how, how we live. God, Christ, the kingdom of God, this is who we are. This is our identity. This is what guides us. So we can come and ask God, God, help me to remember that my identity is in you and nothing else. Nothing that our culture pushes as a primary point of identity, whether it's gender or sexuality or politics or anything, None of that compares to the reality of who God is and the life that he gives us. And to follow Jesus is to say, the fact that he is my Lord is what I identify with. And so God, help me to remember my identity is in you. Help me to live as a citizen of your kingdom, embracing the reality of what you've taught me. He says, pray for daily bread. There weren't grocery stores um, everywhere in this culture when Jesus was teaching this. I love, I've talked to different people about the thing I love about the city is you could even go out really late at night and find food or find something to do. I visited different parts of the country where like 8 o'clock, it's like everything is shut down. And that's fine. It's just not what I prefer. That's not how Je Jesus' time, there was none of that. And so bread had to be made every day. When it says daily bread, that's not a type of bread. That's food. And so it's give us our daily bread. Give us daily what we need. Provide for us. Provide what we need for our daily concerns. Even within this, it's thinking through how we, how we process what we're asking for. I think a good, another passage to consider as we think about daily bread is this, is Proverbs 30, where it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. When I'm coming, him, coming to him and asking for daily bread, God, give me just what I need. 
And so I come and I ask, God, please provide what I need today. Please provide what I need today. Help me accomplish what I need to do today. God, help me with today's stuff. He says, forgive my sins. The fact that the Lord died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we can know the forgiveness of sins, that we could be made clean, that we could be made whole, that it wouldn't define us, but who, we are, who Jesus is and who we are in him would define us. 1 John 1.9 says, if, you, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so we come before him and we pray, God, help, please, God, please forgive, forgive me for whatever it is. And the beauty of the grace of God, the beauty of the mercy of God, is that there isn't anything that would go in that blank that he won't forgive. And maybe that's the thing you needed to hear this morning. There is nothing in your life that God won't forgive. And there is nothing going on in your life that makes him love you less. And, there, and it, cleaning your life up won't get him to love you more. He loves you perfectly. And he offers forgiveness. And not just the forgiveness of sin, but a life away from that reality. And so we ask him, God, please forgive me. Help me receive your grace and grow in the reality of grace. He teach, tells us to pray for forgiveness of sins, but then he also says, help me forgive others. We need to pray that God would help us forgive others. The grace which we have been given, we are called to extend to others. The prayer prompt assures that we don't live lives in isolation. It's not about extroverts and introverts. It's not about like being, liking crowds or not liking crowds. To live and to be human is to be connected in some way. It's you have, to have, you have to be connected to other people. And that in and of itself means that there's going to be issues at times. There's going to be problems at times. Connections aren't always easy, and they don't always go the way that they should. And so within this, God, please help me, help me in this relationship. God, help me in this connection. Give me wisdom of what to, to say. Give me wisdom on how to go about, help me forgive whoever this is. Within this connection that I have, help me here. And asking God to help with those moments and those relationships. And then last, it says, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Or another way of putting it, God, help me not do anything stupid. Help me not go, go, help me not go against who you are. I can't say, hallowed be your name to you, and then go live without hallowing your name. I can't rejoice to you in song and then live a life that doesn't reflect what the song was talking about. And so help me not to do something stupid. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. To follow Jesus is to honor him, to have a relationship with is to be holy as he is holy. And so we come and say, God, help me to honor you in what I say and what I do. Help me to honor you in everything that I do. Help me to be faithful. Again, went through those really fast, but you can see there's so much that we can ask God for help for. And so much we should be asking God for help for. We need to ask him for help. We need to ask God for guidance. We need to ask God for wisdom. We need to ask God for provision and protection. We need to ask God for forgiveness. And we need to ask God for grace. Grace. 
We can and we should pray about all of this, but here's the thing that we need to realize. Typically, when it comes to this list and these things that God, Jesus is guiding us in and helping us learn how to pray, typically we focus primarily on the daily bread part. We just focus with the need or the trial or the difficulty that's right in front of us. God, I need this. Sometimes we're saying the word need, but it's really, God, I want this. God, make this difficult thing go away. We pray for things we need, we also, but we don't always pray for the rest of it. And the reality is, this is where the Home Depot illustration breaks down. Because we're not praying to someone that we just walk to in order to get a need met and then walk away. We're not just going and, going and talking to this person that's in the aisle wanting to help us figure something out and then leave and never have any connection with them ever again. That's not how it works with God. Where God is, is the one who loves us, who invites us into conversation, who walks with us along the way. If the only thing that we can ever ask God for is to meet a need and about help in the life that we are living with him, it begs the, and we never ask him for help on how to live this life. All we do is ask him for meet the need, give me the daily bread, but we never ask for help in living this life. We never ask about his kingdom come. We never ask about forgiveness. We never ask about forgiving others. We never ask about not leading into temptation. If the only thing we ever ask for is daily bread, it begs the question, are we truly living life with him? Because to live life with the Lord is to live life with the Lord. To be a follower of Christ is that he is part of everything. To be, to be someone who believes in Jesus, whose life is given to them, is that everything is about him. And so I need to be rejoicing with him. I need to be for asking for forgiveness. I need to be extending forgiveness. I need to be continually living as somebody who's part of his kingdom. I need to be not being led into temptation. I need that help with all of that sometimes more than I need the daily bread. And so this is the thing that we have to realize. Do pray for the daily bread. Do pray for the needs. But God wants us to help us, help us with everything. And that's the thing we have to come to grips with. We need help with everything. With your interaction with your neighbors, with your, how you interact with your kids, how you interact with your spouse, how you interact with your coworkers, how you handle school, whatever it is. Not just, I'm not talking about those assignments those tasks, I'm talking about who you are in the midst of them, who I am in the midst of them. We need to ask God for help. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray about the people we are, the Jesus followers we are, about living lives of holiness. So what do you need to ask God for help for? When you see these different things up here, what is the one that you haven't been asking him for help? What's the one that you've been, you've been neglecting or not even been thinking about? What's the one that you come to him and maybe you've neglected? Or maybe what's the thing that you come even fearful to ask for? We need to be asking God for help with everything. And the invitation is we can ask God for help with everything. You can ask God to help you with every aspect of your life. That's what Jesus is telling us. That's what Jesus is teaching us. 
And the encouragement within that, when you think about everything that you do have going on in your life, when you think about all the things you're processing, all the things you're dealing with, the second part is where the encouragement and the motivation comes from. Because what the next part of this passage is going to show us is that you are, is going to remind us is that you are praying to the God that you can boldly ask for help from. You are praying to the God that you can come boldly to. You can boldly ask for help. This is where we get the, he, Jesus tells the story, this little parable about the guy who goes to his friend's house at midnight. Somebody's over at my house, which begs the question, if you're bug, bugging this person, who's bugging you at midnight? I don't have anything to give him. Can you give me three loaves of bread so that I can come and do this? Again, we think about this culture and this community, it's different than ours. Like I said before, store, there's not like CVSs or 7-Elevens or 24-hour convenience stores anywhere. None of that. Bread had to be made daily. The other thing that we have to realize about this culture in this time was that hospitality was huge, almost like a civil duty. Visitors had to be cared for. Regardless of anything, you helped those who were visiting, coming in. And then another thing also to think about is that homes were very small. And so for somebody to come to another person's house at midnight and awaken them and ask for help, you're probably waking, waking up their entire family their wife, their kids, everyone is being woke up within this. And who would do that? Who would have the audacity to come in and ask at any, any time of hour, any type of need, regardless of what's going on, who would have that but boldness? Who would have that persistence? Who would have that chutzpah to come in and say, hey, can you help me? But that's Jesus's point. Jesus is saying, you can be that guy with God. You can be that person with God coming to him wherever. He says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus is saying is that it doesn't matter what time of day or what time of night it is. It doesn't matter if it's about asking for daily bread or any of the other things. Whatever the thing is, whatever it's going on, ask. You can come to God and ask. And you can come boldly. You can ask God about everything. You can seek him out about every single thing in your life. You can pound on that door persistently and boldly because he's not going to answer mad and angry just going, what do you want? No, he's going to open saying, come, come in. How can I help? God is always going to open the door, and he's always going to be there to help you. A phrase that I hear a lot, whenever time, if somebody says that they want to connect with me, meet with me, talk, a prelude to that request that I hear all the time is, I know you're busy, and I don't want to put more on your plate, but can we? And I hear that all the time. If I ask for how many of you in here have ever said that phrase, probably half of you would raise your hands. That always is what I hear. And my response many times, probably not all of you have heard it, but some of you have, is that, you know what, let me decide if I'm busy or not. Just ask. Let me be the one to determine if I'm busy. I want to connect with you. I want to talk with you. Yes, there are some times with I'm busy, but let me make the decision of that. Don't allow your preconceived idea of me and my schedule to keep you from asking. We're talking about God, who, is a, who has a lot more going on than I do. And is, yes, is really, really busy. But he says, 
come to me. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be concerned about. You are not bothering him. Nothing. You can come and talk to God. And here's the thing that I think is really, really important. It's not just that we don't have to think he's too busy we don't, and that he doesn't have time for us and he wouldn't want to hear. We also can come to God boldly knowing that we have nothing to be ashamed of. I don't want to talk to him about this. I don't want to have to acknowledge some of this stuff. This is so hard. God, God already knows. God knows it better than you do. He knows the details better than you do. And he loves you perfectly. And he wants you to help. He wants to help you. And so whatever you're going through, whatever it is, You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be ashamed. Come to the Lord, the Father who loves you and longs to hear from you, and come boldly asking him for help. If you're in here and you haven't asked God for help with whatever that thing is in your life because you feel shame or you beat yourself up or you feel down, just know that that's you doing that. That's not God doing that. And you don't have to do that. You can come to him. That's the reality. I'm reading this book right now, um, Parenting with Gracious Words. And the thing it talks about is how how we talk to our kids, teach them the reality of how God is. And so, you know, light, easy reading, no conviction at all. And it talks about this reality that, man, how I engage my kids is going to teach them about the Lord. And I never want my kids to think that they can't come to me. I never want to talk to them in such a way to think that, you know what, when you have it figured out, come to me. I want them to know that their their father loves them and cares for them and wants to be with them and is pursuing them. And even if they make the stupidest of decisions, I want to be around them and I want to be with them and I want to hear them. And yes, there's going to be moments where they're aggravating me to no end, but it doesn't mean that I love them any less. And there's some parents who went, "Mm mm-hmm, and I said that. I want them to know that they can come to their dad. And like I said, God is a hundred million times better. You have nothing to fear when it comes to coming to God. You can come boldly to him because he is the God who longs for you, who invites you, who wants to hear from you. And so go and ask him. Ask him for help. You can pray, you are praying to the God that you can boldly ask for help from. And then the last thing, you are praying to the God that knows how to best answer your prayers. You are praying to the God that knows how to answer your prayers in the best possible way. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish and will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If, then you, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you've ever been around a little kid, you've heard them ask for something. Um, if my, kids, my kids have a lot of hobbies, sports, video games, reading, and asking for stuff. So there's... There's just to be a kid is to ask for stuff. And yes, when you were a kid, you asked for stuff. And we still ask for stuff all the time. 
You and I as adults ask for stuff as much as kids do. It's just that we're asking ourselves and we're giving ourselves permission. We're, we're, we're still asking for stuff. And so my kids will come and they'll say, I want this so bad. It's good. like a whole thing. Sometimes when my kids ask me for something, it's, yep, okay, yes, let's do it. We'll make it happen. Sometimes when my kids ask for something, it's no. And I explain why that's not a good idea or I explain why it's not best for them. What they are asking for might not be the best for them or it may not be a good thing. Sometimes I simply say no, though. Sometimes I simply say no because it can't be a yes. I don't want them to be spoiled brats who just think that every time they ask for something, they get something. So sometimes I could say yes, but I say no purposefully just for that reason. Sometimes the yes comes purposefully for the same reason. Again, trying to teach them something. Sometimes when my kids ask for something, I say to them, not yet. Maybe, you know what, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You're just not old enough yet. So soon, maybe soon, at this point, or when, or when you show responsibility or maturity in this area, then we can do that. And so sometimes it's not yet. I don't always answer the best, but I'm trying to answer the best. Sometimes with my kids, I have to eat crow, I have to apologize, I have to backtrack, and yes, that's just the reality of it. Sometimes I do have a home run moment, and I hold on to those moments for all they're worth. Yes, that worked. But I guarantee, regardless of how well I go about things, like I've already said, God knows how to answer prayer a hundred times better than I can answer the things that my kids are asking for. Remember, we are praying to our loving, caring, perfect God, and He knows how to answer you. And really, there's a big thing about God that we have to wrestle with and grasp when we think about how he answers prayer. When it comes to prayers and not being answered, we feel like I've asked God for something and something didn't go the way we wanted or, that, or it didn't ha- happen the way we were thinking. We question God's love for us and we question his care for us. If God loves, says he loves me, how could he let this happen? Or if God cares for me, how could he let this occur? And I know the reality, we've all processed that at some different moment. Typically, the thing is, when we pray for something, we're not praying that God would answer our prayers the best. Our prayers are dictations to God. Answer my prayer this way. And when he, the prayer doesn't go that way, we question whether he loves us or not. And so again, we are all infant toddlers. But here's the thing that we need to grasp. In those moments, rather than thinking about God's love and care, not only thinking about processing God's love and care, we also need to realize this, that God is perfectly wise. God is perfectly wise. And we need to grasp his wisdom as well as his love for us when we're thinking about prayers. It says in Job 12, to God being wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. Romans 11 says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. John Piper defines wisdom as wisdom is knowing what the greatest goal is in any situation and what the best way to achieve it is. And so we think about the prayers that we come to God with, the asks that we have. We must trust that God knows how to answer our prayers in the best possible way and the best possible manner. And so he's going to think about this as we consider the different things we come asking him for. 
He promised us to, he, God promises to give us wisdom and peace. It says in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre- present your asks to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God tells you, the thing that you're asking about, bring that to him. He's not giving carte blanche that I'm going to just answer it, but he does say, I'll give you peace within that situation. It says in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In both of these situations, it's an invitation to ask for help. It's an invitation to ask on how to navigate life, on asking not that a situation would go a certain way, but that God would help us be a certain person in the midst of a situation. And God is saying, ask for that. Ask for peace. Ask for wisdom. And I'm going to give it. You get wisdom. And you get peace. And you get wisdom. And you get peace. He's just going to throw it to all of us. He says that when you ask for those things, I'm going to give it to you. But he also knows the depth and the details of our situations better than we do. I read, just kind of getting ready for this this week, one of the things I was curious about is where are all the times in the New Testament where asking in relation to prayer happened? And one of them is in Mark 10. These two followers of Jesus, James and John, sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus and they said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And man, doesn't that typically define, describe how we pray? We want you to do exactly this. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't say, listen, you spoiled brat. He says, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And they said, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And here's Jesus' answer to them. You do not know what you are asking. Jesus' words to those brothers are sobering. I think that we need to think about that. Think about the wisdom of these people seen as so small in the midst of the wisdom of God in their midst. I really wonder how many things I've asked for that I've been so certain of when I've prayed to God that it would go this way, that it had to be like this in moments where if I could hear Jesus' audible voice, he would say, you do not know what you're asking for. But this seems like the best. This would be the greatest. They would be okay. They would be healed. This wouldn't happen. This would. You don't know what you're asking for. And so, am I willing to trust the wisdom of God? Three times Paul was physically afflicted. Paul, Paul was physically afflicted, and three times he came to God asking for help. In 2 Corinthians, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul kept asking for God to change something, asking for him to heal, and three times God didn't do it. Did God not answer his prayer? No, God answered his prayer perfectly, in the best way. It wasn't necessarily what Paul wanted to happen, but Paul, what Paul realized was that God answered this the best, and I'm going to glory in his wisdom and what that means for me now within this situation. You and I need to trust that. We're going to expand on that idea all next week in next week's message, but it lends to the thing this. When we pray, we are coming to the one who knows how to answer in the best possible way.
And so ask God to, for help. And then trust the answer. It doesn't mean it's, we're going to get it right then, right then. And sometimes, like, I appreciate Mark's testimony. I've been praying for this for three years. Keep being persistent. Keep being bold. Because maybe the thing you're praying about isn't a drive-through answer. Maybe it's going to take a while. And so I trust his wisdom. Let's close with this. James 5 says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so let us be a church that prays. Let us be a church that prays together, that prays individually, that seeks the Lord, asking him for help, asking him for guidance, asking him for wisdom, asking him for peace, knowing we can come to him boldly and trusting his wisdom as we ask. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the God that you're a God who cares, that you're a God who loves, that you're a God who is gracious, that you're a God who is with us, that you're a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. God, I pray that you would give us confidence to come to you. And God, whatever keeps us from you, I pray, God, that you would challenge us within those things. God, I pray that you would challenge us and that we would know the truth of your love. God, if anyone here doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would enter that relationship with you. If anyone in this church is, have been hesitant to come to you with the needs and the things that they're going through, processing, God, I pray that today would be the day of finding wisdom and peace. Let us come to you boldly, God. Help us to ask. It's in your name we pray, amen. Let's stand and we're gonna close with this last song.